Hi, Three Song Stories people. This is our, our web extra, I guess, but we're all web. So this is our web. This is our bonus content, says Richard. So, um, so you were just saying, uh, sort of back up just 10 to 20 seconds. Okay. So when I was working on the psychiatric unit at UCSF in San Francisco, um, we did. I worked with a number of music therapists and we would combine art and music therapy. So we would put on pieces of music. And you had to sit and listen to it and draw the images that came to your mind. It could be a word, a symbol, an actual picture, anything. And one of the songs we always tend to play was Three Little Birds, Bob Marley. And that's always gotten good rapport with people. People have always been the feel-good song and they loved it. One girl who was um, in there for severe depression and substance abuse realized for the first time, and it was because of this experience, that she realized that's when she would abuse they were li- they, she used to live in the islands, and that's what they would listen to Bob Marley, and it would be that particular song where they would get high on. Hmm. And so that was a very aha moment for her in realizing why she was so upset because she'd go home and put on Marley, and she realized that was triggering hmm. without even like consciously knowing it. Yeah. So now that was who her conscious, and so she was knowing what you know. Is that primarily how music therapy works is playing music for people and trying to get them to reflect on something or how does it – I mean I've seen it applied in different ways. You know, John Davis plays the cello with Alzheimer's patients. He played with my group. Who are looking at art and – you know, but just reflect on the whole music therapy processes or processes. Music – I mean music is one of the most oldest forms of expressive arts therapy. It's also the most well-researched. A lot of good science backing behind music and psychology in the brain. And um, so you're asking what's happening? No, no. How? What What are the different f- forms? We'll get to what's so, happening. Well, but what are the different forms of music A music, music therapy? therapist, they're going to have you do both. They're going to have you touch the instruments, play with the instruments. You know, we when I, we worked with a number of music therapists at the, at the hospital and they would bring in this huge drum. And everybody had their sticks and they would drum to different beats. Um, Yeah, they would play guitar and sing. They would pick out specific songs that would try to get people to feel good or empowered. They would ask people to think about songs that trigger them or what songs kind of like this, like, you know, what we're doing. Right, right. Um, And it's a therapeutic. It is a professional therapeutic uh, psychology modality. So it's using both, touching the instruments, playing with the instruments, getting to feel the instrument as well as and how that moves with your life cycles. Um, one of my going away gifts when I left, the, the department gave me a, um, a sand stick that mm-hmm. had sand in it. And you, sw- you go back and forth and it creates like a rain. A rain stick is what it was. And we would use that in ter- with the music therapy as well. And you could do it really slow. You could do it really fast. And it would just show how music and rhythm affects your moods. And I mean I'm not a music therapist so I can you know, talk extensively about it. But from my experiences in working with music right. therapists, that's what, what so, we do. So – We'll, we'll get a little further into the technical side of it here in a second. But when people are – so like with Alive Inside, mm-hmm. you know, they would play songs and, and some people who hadn't really been – you know, hadn't communicated much at all would sing or would, would express themselves or would remember the words or would at least be triggered to have the words in their brain. How what's happening there? Do we know? Does 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 brain science know what's happening there, or is that just we can see the effect, but we're not entirely sure of the mechanism? Well, we know that you're you're tapping into areas, you know, especially areas that are deeply preserved, like with like with memory loss. Mm-hmm. Um, like John played, you know, he was generous and kind to come play when I did the uh, Alzheimer's group at the Alliance for the Arts. Right. And we a prime example is we had a, a gentleman who was pretty late stages in the disease and we would talk about the art. The whole group would talk. But this particular gentleman did not talk. 
in fact, he would fall asleep and his wife would sit in there. Um, and then we talked about a piece and then John played um, a song. And I think it was a, a biblical song or some religious song. And the man just popped straight up and just started singing. Hmm. And his wife had tears in her eyes and everybody was just like shocked staring at him. And it was just this profound moment of this reawakening that he had because he resonated with that song that John happened just to pick that he knew really well. And that was the one thing that got this guy alive. So it's like, yeah, there are certain areas that are being activated and stimulated and it's a reawakening. And, you know, you are using specific parts of that brain. And, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, clearly John Davis wasn't playing the precise, you know, if you think of music in terms of waves of energy through the air to our mm -hmm. ears. I mean, John was doing a version of that. Yep. But it still had the effect. Absolutely. So there's more to it than just like the recording, ver the recorded version of mm -hmm. going to California, right? And and so it's deeper than you Yeah, he recognized it at Rio, and it probably. I mean, I'm guessing because I I didn't you know talk to him about it, but you would assume that it took him right back to this time and place because it resonated with him so well. And I do see that in the work that I do. Uh, I work in Naples, uh, different Terracina Grand with um, the ladies group that have Alzheimer's disease. And music is a huge part of the art therapy because it helps to go deeper. So they're listening to their personalized music of what works for them. Is that and picked by their families? Is that picked by – They can Sometimes they can tell you what, they're, what they enjoy. Um, but yeah, typically the families will know and kind of – Put, they'll have their personal uh, little iPods and nanopods from, mm -hmm. and uh, sync them on there and put the headphones on. And it really – it's amazing to see the agitation, people that are highly agitated. It's so easy just to pop a pill and that's what they do and they become zombies and they have no life. You put the headphones on and all of a sudden she's dancing in her seat and smiling and singing and, t and hitting her leg and she's excited. You know, and it's like she came alive and she's not the zombie that's just shriveled up in her chair but is actually being able to talk. And one lady who stopped painting, we put the headphones on her and the same thing. She started dancing in her chair and I said, what colors do you see? And she grabbed the red, the paintbrush and started painting red. And then the whole thing we ended up finding out red was her favorite color. Her, whole, her daughters came in and were like, oh, she's got the red, like so hmm. excited. But yeah, you're tapping into all these different regions that, yeah, some science is able to identify and other parts we're still looking. Um, how long has this you know, connection um, in a clinical way been studied and talked about in your world? Music has probably been going on since the 40s, 50s, okay. 60s, a long time. Art therapy is a little different. It's been more of a we're, we don't have the we have scientific backing, not not like we do in music. And that's starting to change, thankfully. But music's one of the oldest forms. Um, a lot of but recently, Alive Inside really put some things on the map. Yeah. Especially when you have physicians like yeah. all of the late Oliver Sacks who are endorsing it. Or mm -hmm. you have one, a movie called I Remember Better When I Paint. I've seen that, yeah. And Berna Hubner is a dear friend of mine. And that was her movie that she produced and directed. And Sam Gandy, this, you know, another like who's who person in research is endorsing the movie. And why the arts and creativity is important on the brain. You know, and we are... I mean, we are – it's innate. As humans, we've been creating from the very beginning. You look at caveman paintings, even instruments that you see in the museums, these old things that they put together as old instruments. I mean, it's been ingrained. It's it's part of who we are as a collective unconsciousness. Have you ever seen the Bobby McFerrin TED Talk? Yes, I did see some of that. The, yeah. at the end, he does the pentatonic scale and he has the whole audience playing along and yeah. everybody just knows right where to go. Yep. I had a, a similar experience at a music festival years ago and I was kind of, you know – 
enjoying myself, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. And I just had this – I was back in the back and I was looking at the crowd and I was thinking about it. And there was a band on stage that was playing a song that basically nobody knew because it was an unknown band. Everybody was listening to the music. And it occurred to me that you know that, that band could like really hit the wrong sour note. And even though nobody's heard that song before, everybody would know it was wrong. <laughs> and there's something really magical yeah, about yeah, that, you know. I mean, yeah. the, uh, the whole music of the spheres and the, the you know the way music works. It's it's really fascinating. It is. It's tapping into us. And as I said earlier, I think Dr. Tanzi was he's like kind of the authority on the music and the brain, being his research and background and the website, the memory, the Sparks Memory Radio. Um, and then what Google is that? It. What is that exactly? Sparks Memory Sparks Radio. Sparks Memory so that is, Radio. That's like a streaming music he, service. He developed it. It's an app that's oh. for the Android and the iPhone. And it and plays music though. That he designed for people with Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, I googled it. You know, I I know Dr. Tansy, but I was, um, was googling and looking more at it, and it's just like, yeah, people definitely need to be looking at that. Has anybody approached it from um, making you know nonverbal music? That has certain features that might stimulate certain ways of thinking or being or remembering or you know what I mean because we're talking about remembering songs that touched your life mm-hmm. versus you know somehow wielding the power of music to affect your brain. Not sure I quite understand what you're. Well, you know, like some something like something like techno music. If you oh put god the, yeah no if you that's put that happened. on somebody with Alzheimer's who no they're going to react horribly techno. yeah yeah oh, they are going to yeah and react I've seen horribly. it happen I've seen it um that's the basic question when yeah. I was in New Jersey um yeah the aides uh, were playing techno I walked in and they're like you know they're doing all that stuff and literally all of them were sitting there with their hands over their ears agitated. And, you know, you're setting the stage up for it to, you know, yeah, to be agitated. So I remember looking at the guy and I was like, can we turn that off? And he goes, oh, yeah. And I'm like, let's put something else on. And he's going through his music. He's like, I got Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Closer. it's a little bit better. Go ahead. Elvis Presley is also a big one. Everybody loves Elvis Presley. Yeah. And everybody also loves the Rat Pack. Um, I try to stay away from the classical because they tend to fall asleep. So we'll try to keep it more jazzy. And for some reason, I don't know why they do this because people with Alzheimer's and related dementias often get misperceived as children. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you how many times I've gone into facilities oh, and they're playing, and they're playing like children. The the yes. And yeah. I'm just like, what are you doing? You're totally taking dignity away from these people. Um, I'm not saying it's like all bad. Maybe some people will relate to it. But it's like, let's play music that really generates them. What yeah. stimulate? Some guy was sitting there and he wasn't really having it with the music we were playing. So this my intern had actually come over and she's like, what kind of music do you like? And he couldn't answer. So she was just kind of going through her iPhone and happened to find B.B. King. And all of a sudden she saw his foot tapping. Mm. And she's like, you like this? And then sure enough, that's what he that was what his thing is. So she played it for him and he just immediately came. Wow. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting, though, is, you know, at some point down the road, there may be people who don't want to hear the Rat Pack and do want to hear hip hop, you know, yeah, in terms of maybe. being back to their comfortable place when they were younger in life. Yeah. Because the bonds that are being formed now by all us youngins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what's out there on the cutting edge of, of brain science, brain scanning? Like what's the next holy grail in your in your field? In terms of uh, – well, diagnostics huge. I mean everything's turning – everything's going into the direction of like AI, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's a huge one that everybody's trying to invest in and create and do. And it's just it's, – it's really amazing the type of technologies that are coming out now and being able to detect 
you know, that you detect different proteins in the brain that we wouldn't be able to detect before how to, you know, other than an autopsy. Yeah. So it's science. Like I said earlier, I think diagnostically we are moving – technology world's moving a lot faster than we are as, as I think as people. And what gets lost is that we tend to forget about the people because we're so focused on mm-hmm. these other things. And that's why it's like let's let's combine the two. How do these two work together? Because I think that even though somebody may have a cognitive or some type of neurological deficit – you're still able to learn from them just as much as you're trying to give back to them. I mean, there's they're now having mobile MRI caps where they're putting helmets on people because well, you don't have to. You can actually move around, you know, so they can study it better. You don't have to just lay down flat. I mean, they're really getting, you know, are looking at your brain waves just by like sitting on a bicycle and riding. Like you can without even touching it, you can tell you don't want to go faster or slower. So I mean. It's almost scary. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and you're, and you're seeing examples of, of people who are able to, you know, who who don't have mobility with their hands that are yeah. able to move a cursor on a screen. By their or, eyes. By their, and, yep. well, or by their brain waves. Yeah. So we're getting, I mean, it's very rudimentary from what I understand. But yeah. We're no, we are getting there. Too. And it's, you know, you keep thinking of, you ever watch Futurama? It's like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heads and jars. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder. It's like, wow. But no, it is. I, I think it's an exciting time to be in research. It really is. I mean, my center, we're looking at effective treatments to slow and stop disease progression. But while people are in there getting their infusions and we're trying to, you know, help help restore these neurons and stop, you know, progressing it, we're also doing things to like, you know, promotion and education to what can you do in your lifestyle to enhance your quality of life because you need both. Um, how, how do you feel um, the, the clinical, the scientific world is doing in terms of understanding Alzheimer's and the causes or mechanisms that are associated with it and ways to address that down the road? We still have a ways to go because there's – I mean – it's a double-edged sword. It's front-page news now, which is awesome, and we have people that are backing it. But when you actually look at the money and the dollars of research funding, it's dismal. You look at HIV, prostate cancer, breast cancer, stroke, all those numbers are going down. Alzheimer's continues to go up. So it's like by the end of this year, it's going to cost our government $277 billion. Hmm. It takes up the most out of Medicare, Medicaid, than any other disease. So we need research. You, We need it. And the, so – um, as we're trying to slowly get there, we need people involved and actively participating. But in terms of the science, it's exciting because there's so much people, the pharmaceuticals and different, some of the academic institutions are now looking at, okay, we know it's these amyloid plaques and tau tangles that are causing it, but now we're looking at cellular inflammation. What kind of food are we eating mm-hmm. that's causing inflammation that might be triggering these proteins up in the brain? Um, do we have untreated cholesterol? Do we have untreated blood pressure, untreated thyroid issues? Are we untreating diabetes? Do we have sleep apnea that we're not taking care of? Are we drinking too much and we're not sleeping enough or we're stressed out or we're depressed? All those things are factors. Modern life. Exactly. So, yeah. So, but it is an exciting time. I do believe we are going to get there. Um, we do have some dedicated people and – as long as we continue on the track and we have more awareness and people down here especially, we're in the epicenter. Yeah. Southwest Florida, we're it. And there's more people moving down here. So we absolutely need education, awareness and research efforts. Uh, I don't know if you know the answer to this well enough to answer it, but I'm going to ask it. Um, it. You know, in the past, we didn't live as long. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it seems 
maybe obvious that that when people got to a certain age, they would start to have some memory loss and some, you know, they might wind up in dementia. But is there something to the modern worldness of how we live and the way Alzheimer's is presenting itself, not only because we can live longer, and so maybe we see more instances of it? Well, we're living longer, um, but we're also treating these other diseases. We're treating heart disease. We're treating breast cancer, prostate cancer, stroke. So that's enabling us to live longer. So... Yeah, as we're not addressing Alzheimer's, it's, you know, not saying it's inevitable, everybody's going to have it, but right. it definitely puts you at a higher risk. I mean, the numbers are only doubling, tripling. And um, the people that really need to get on it are the phys- primary care physicians. They're so dismissive. And that's not just here. That's the entire nation where, okay, I'm having memory problems. Well, what's the year? Who's a president? Oh, you're fine. Yeah. It's like so irresponsible. So we need our primary care physicians. you think that's just because they don't know what to do? Or yeah, they... I think that they don't know. I, I think most of them – I think it's a, a, a double factor. I think it's a factor of I'm too busy, I don't care, and I just don't know. Or some have the mentality of, well, it's not treatable, so there's really nothing we can do. Right. So that's their mentality. And it's like, well, you know, research, clinical trials is a potential treatment form, and there are things you can do in your lifestyle, and you need to get better on the ball. So as our primary care clinician – Primary care physicians and our neurologist really need to up the ante in their education. I mean, mm. as people, we get it. As them, I don't think they're getting it as much. And mm. I hope that changes. Uh, well, I'm going to end this conversation with a little anecdote. My grandmother uh, had Alzheimer's and um, she hadn't been communicative for a while. And I went up to Kansas City to visit and I walked back into the bedroom where she was in bed. And I walked in and I said, hi. And she looked up and she said, well – which is like that was her catchphrase, right? That's what grandma would say. And everybody was just like, holy cow. So maybe our voices can be songs too. Absolutely. Any final thoughts? I just think this is awesome. And I think as long as we have more awareness, education, and start looking at ourselves and being kind to one another. All right. Thank you. It's a matter. Thank you.